Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. Pastor Janish, your host, coming to you with another episode of Theological Ramblings. Our episode today is called The Law. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts. We have Pastor Tom Fricky. Hi, I'm happy to be here. And along with Pastor Fricky, we have Pastor Ross Henze. Thanks for having me again. Okay, so... For our listeners, if you remember last time we talked about the Bible, what we believe about God's Word and how God speaks to us. Now, we kind of divide God's Word up into two big parts or big themes. One we call the Gospel, and the other we call the Law. And we're going to be talking about the Law today in general. And in our next few episodes, we're really going to be diving deep into the Law when we discuss the Ten Commandments. So let's just try and get our heads around this concept of the Law. And let's just keep in mind, when we say the Law, we're talking about God's Law. Now, I imagine most people, when they hear the term the Law, They think of the laws that govern our country. They think of things like speed limits and drinking ages. Ross and Tom, in what ways is the law similar to a country or state's laws? And in what ways is it it different? Uh, We'll let uh, Tom respond first. I guess I could explain it this way, that that God's law deals primarily with the heart, although it does uh, also deal with outward behavior, external behavior. The government uh, is entirely uh, concerned with outward behavior. So if I were to walk into a bank and I were to ask uh, for a withdrawal of some money and, and I'm able to receive that money, it belongs to me, but my heart is thinking. I, I really, really am filled with greed. I, I'm just totally, totally uh, obsessed with gaining more and more for myself. I'm going to be stepping over God's line, but uh, the government's going to be fine with that because the money that I've withdrawn is actually my own. So God is concerned with the attitude in the heart far more uh, than the government ever can be, and the government can't enforce anything that has to do with the heart. But God uh, doesn't let us get away with that. Thank you, Tom. Ross, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, I think when you look at laws, you just you try to remember the purpose of a law is to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, and part of what God's law, if, if we think of the Ten Commandments, it's the same thing. You, there are things that you can do and what you can't do. So the state and the government laws are, are in essence, saying the same thing. Uh, the difference, I would say, is, as Pastor Fricky mentioned, is and I would say it maybe just a little bit differently, is that what is your, um, what's your motive for actually following these laws? Uh, some people might say, well, I follow the laws because those are the rules. I have to follow the rules. But Christians would look at God's laws and say, yes, I have to follow the rules, but here is my opportunity to honor God uh, in my thoughts, words, and actions. 
Yeah. Thank you, Ross and Tom. The only thing I would add, and we'll talk about this more as we go on, is when we think about laws, we should remember usually laws are meant to protect something. When uh, the government enacts a law about speeding, they're trying to protect their citizens by getting everybody to drive at a safe speed. So too with God's law. When he gives us uh, his laws, he's usually actually protecting something. For example, something we'll talk about in the future. When God gives us his sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery, he is protecting marriage. So we'll talk about that more in future episodes. But let's move on. Now, in our church body, we talk about the law. When we talk about the law, we usually divide it up into three different types of laws. We talk about civil laws, ceremonial laws, and moral laws. Tom, could you explain those distinctions and why we have them? Sure, I can do that. Uh, and, and it's not just a distinction that we make in our Lutheran church. Uh, it's also a distinction that Christians, I think, have recognized for centuries and have talked about it in the very same terms that we do. Uh, the civil laws are laws that pertain to Israel's government in the Old Testament. And they're, by and large, just ex exclusive to the governmental ruling of Israel at that time. Uh, it does not apply to government in today's world or in the United States as we might think of it uh, in, uh, today. Uh, the ceremonial laws are laws that had to do with Israel's worship life, and that also was intended for only a time, and there came a time when Israel's ceremonial laws no longer applied. And the moral law is the kind of law that applies to all lives and to all people of all time. That still applies to us today, and it's been repeated for us uh, in the Ten Commandments. Thanks, Tom. Um, let's explore that concept just a little bit more. Why is God's moral law applicable today and those other two are not? Why don't we follow some of those uh, civil and ceremonial laws anymore? Uh, the, the moral law applies to us today. It's, it's really the law that was placed into our hearts, and it's the conscience. And uh, that law is the kind of law where, uh, as Pastor Enzi was mentioning before, it, it, uh, it talks about all people of all time, um, and it, it just applies to our lives. The, the civil and ceremonial law do not apply today because they were intended only to... Uh, to apply to Israel for a limited period in time in order to uh, demonstrate to them that they are to be different from the rest of the world around them uh, until Christ came. Uh, Israel was different in the sense that it was God's own nation specially chosen for one specific purpose and that purpose was to bring the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, into this world. And once Christ came, once he fulfilled God's plan for the world's salvation, the ceremonial law that prepared the way for the coming of Christ, and the civil law that kept Israel distinct from the nations around them, no longer applied. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. And uh, one passage that we usually point to for that concept is in Colossians 2, where it says, These were a shadow 
of the things to come, the reality is found in Christ. So Christ has fulfilled those laws. Those laws are, uh, their purpose has been met. However, God's moral law still applies. But let's just have a, a little fun with the civil and ceremonial law. I'm actually very glad that those laws have been fulfilled and no longer apply. Um, for example, uh, the Old Testament believers, the Israelites, were not allowed to eat pork. Uh, and I love things like pulled pork and ribs and things like that. I'm, I'm glad that that law no longer applies. Uh, Ross and Tom, do you have a favorite example of a Old Testament civil or ceremonial law? You're glad that it doesn't apply? Well, the first thing that sticks out in my head would have to be uh, all the sacrifices. Uh, in the Old Testament and all the way up till the time of Christ, uh, when you think about all the sacrifices that took place, um, so you would bring animals and they, the, you know, they would then, you would bring your burnt offering and it would be offered at the temple. And you, you have to think about this. You have animals and carcasses and blood and the smell and, and all of that that goes on. And the whole purpose of it was to remind the people that, yes, it was going to take a life. It was going to take blood to cover their sins. But it was really just ceremonial. It wasn't, it really wasn't actually covering the sin. It was just kind of like a shadowing of what it was going to be when Jesus came and offered his own life in our place. I mean, can you imagine us trying to conduct uh, sacrifices on an altar in our in our sanctuary it would just be awful uh, so that that's of course one thing that sticks out in my head right away is I mean just the all the amount of sacrifice that took place uh, all the time yeah thanks Ross that's a good point Tom yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, too. I'm glad that we don't need to carry out uh, sacrifices of, of animals. Um, the New Testament talks about offering our lives, our bodies, as a spiritual sacrifice. In other words, uh, now what is required of God is that we simply offer our lives and the way we live as a sacrifice to God. Uh, one of the things that I, I'm glad doesn't apply, too, is that the Old Testament priesthood was exclusively restricted to people of the tribe of Levi and uh, the family of Aaron. And uh, that would exclude all of us from being uh, pastors uh, serving in the Lord's service. It would have to be people coming from that tribe of Levi. Uh, one more thing I might add, too, is that uh, because the Old Testament law is pointed ahead to the coming of Christ, one of the cool things about not being restricted by the Old Testament ceremonial law in, in any way right now is that instead of offering an animal sacrifice or instead of uh, receiving those sacrifices from the people, what we can do as pastors is, is simply talk about Jesus and the great sacrifice that he made. And we love to be able to talk about what Jesus did for us. Yeah, here we are sitting around a table <laughs> trying our hand at podcast and talking about this. You're absolutely right. Thank you, Tom. And that's something that uh, I, I guess I haven't thought about maybe in those terms before is, yeah, I, I guess I couldn't be a pastor if those laws still apply because I'm not from the tribe of Levi. So thanks for thanks for bringing that up. So um, those are kind of uh, uh, some points about the civil and the ceremonial laws. Let's transition 
talking a little bit more about God's moral law, the law that still applies to us today. Now, Ross, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but why does everyone understand at least a little bit about God's law, his moral law? Yeah, another. I think we mentioned last time one of the things that we or one way that we would describe that, or another way we would describe it, is the natural knowledge of God. Everyone knows uh, it's been written in your heart, and you can see it in, in nature. So you, you can look at nature, and you can look at the stars in the sky. You can look at a beautiful sunset. You could see Niagara Falls or oceans, and you can look at this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful creation and how everything just operates and functions the way it is meant to be. So you look at nature or stand out in the the beauty of the woods. I think people from this area would certainly get that. And you would recognize, oh, there is somebody out there. This didn't just happen by chance. And then the other aspect of it is God has also written his law in our hearts through our conscience. And that conscience is that... uh, that thought inside of you that you, if you do something wrong, it, it plagues you. It, you, you, get, you have that feeling of guilt. And so everyone understands that, you know, taking something that is not yours is not right. Everybody knows that. So it, it doesn't tell you specifically who the true God is, but it makes it very clear to you that there's something out there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, Tom, kind of going off what Ross said, if, if the Bible says we all have God's law written on our hearts, we have this natural knowledge of God and we have our conscience, why does God spend so much time talking about the law in the Bible if we already know it? Well, the, the problem is that our hearts and our consciences have all been corrupted and tainted by sin. And so, Uh, We have a conscience, and a conscience tells us the difference between what's right and what's wrong, but a conscience like a a kitchen knife can become dull. And the more that that conscience is violated, uh, the more dull that conscience becomes. We need God's law to keep our conscience sharp. We need to hear again and again what it is that God says is right and what he says is wrong. We need to listen to that and take it to heart And in that sense, allow our conscience to remain active because uh, our conscience is really a good thing. It it is something that uh, is telling us how much we need our Lord's forgiveness ultimately in the end. And it leads us then to seek uh, peace and forgiveness through the means that God gives to us. That's uh, repentance and our Savior just being pointed to our Savior who gave his life uh, so that our sins might be forgiven and we might have peace with God. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. This is uh, maybe kind of mixing metaphors, but the Bible talks about the sin that so easily entangles. And you mentioned the conscience being like a knife. It might be good to have a sharp knife to (laughs) cut through the sin that easily entangles. All right, so we've spent quite a bit of time talking about what the law is. Now let's talk about what the law does. So when talking about the purpose of the law... We usually say it has three different uses. We talk about the law as a curb, as a mirror, and as a guide. And those are kind of the metaphors we use to explain its uses. So uh, since there are three uses and three of us, let's each take one of the uses. 
Um, I'll go first and I'll talk about the law as a curb. So God's law as a curb, you think of maybe you're driving down the road and uh, if there's a sharp drop off, they'll usually have some type of barrier or fence that keeps you from going off. And what God's law as a curb is, is it keeps people on the right path um, through threat of punishment. Um, The law says, uh, you know, do not murder or, uh, you know, you will be punished, things like that. And so we have things like our parents and the governmental authorities who enact discipline and justice and use the law as a curb to curb sinful behavior. So that is one use of the law as law as a curb. Um, I'll pass it over to Ross. You can pick mirror or guide. Uh, Take your pick. I'll take the mirror. Um, The purpose of a mirror is you go in there and you see an image of yourself. And when you look at, and now when you think about the law in that way, how, how does that translate? Well, The purpose of the law, again, is to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And so what I try to teach people would be just remember SOS. That means show us our sins. So show our sins. And so if if I know I'm supposed to do this but not do that, do this and not do that, and I look and if I take a real hard look at this, it becomes very clear that I fail. I fail constantly. I fail to do everything that God wants me to do. So the law works as a mirror. I now look inside that mirror and I see myself. And what do I see? I see a sinner. Uh, There's no way around it. I am a sinful human being. I look in the mirror and I know that I have failed to live the perfect life that my Lord wants me to live. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ross. And Ross and Tom, you can, either of you can respond to this. Would you say that, oh, that's probably the the primary use of the law or, or the, the end goal of the law? Is that, would that be a correct way of stating that? Absolutely. The, uh, the use of the law to show our sin or to expose our sinfulness is, is definitely the primary use of the law. Without that, we cannot know the depth of our need of a Savior. And uh, without appreciating our sin and how deep we are in sin, uh, we don't appreciate what Christ has done for us. If you take a look at the words of Jesus, you'll see that his, um, uh, the primary way that he uses this, especially in his dealing with the Pharisees, is that, that use of the law to show sin. Uh, He does use the law as a guide, and um, it is a marvelous thing that God does give us the law to show us how to live, and that's a blessing too. We see a good example of that in the book of Proverbs, uh, for instance, or Psalm 119 talks about God's word in every one of its verses, and it's a very long psalm. That psalm uh, shows us how God guides us through the use of his word, his law. Please, Russ. I, uh, one other thing that I would probably point out when, you, when we think about the law as a mirror is that uh, the, there's a natural part of us, the sinful nature in us, that wants to compare ourselves to other people. 
And we point out and we say, oh, look at that person over there. Look at how awful they are. They've done this. Yep. They've done that. They've done this. And they are so much worse than I am. And we have that tendency to kind of think of ourselves a bit better than we really are. And the purpose of the law, again, is it now speaks to you and to me directly. So don't look at somebody else. Look at yourself in that mirror and you recognize you are no better. You continue to fail. I continue to fail every single day. So before we start pointing fingers at how bad someone else is, you know, uh, this, you know, before you try and get the speck out of somebody else's eye, get that big, huge log out of your own. So that, that's really what I think is, is something which is really beneficial for me as a sinful human being to keep in mind. I, I want to think I'm so much better than I really am. I look in that mirror and I think, you know what, I, I fail my Lord so many times. And that's what makes the gospel end up being so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Ross. Tom, any other thoughts? Just one thought on the law as a guide. Um, one of the beautiful passages is uh, well known by many of us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Um, I also love in Psalm 119, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. We're asking God to guide us. And sometimes we just need to know which direction to take. Uh, God, what do you want me to do? And once we know what our Savior has done for us, we, we, we want to live our lives in, in return for uh, what he has done for us. We want to be able to show our love and appreciation and our thankfulness. And we're looking for a guide. We're looking for ways that we can serve our God and other people. And that's how the law serves as a guide, and that's the value of it. Yeah. Yeah, so Tom, you kind of already spoke to this just in your last words, but lots of times we do think of the law as as a bad thing, and rightly so, because it does show our sins and make us feel shameful and guilty. But Tom, you also mentioned something beautiful about God's law in uh, in a person who has Christ in their heart. They can use the law as a guide and, and uh, know how to lead a God-pleasing life, and that is a beautiful thing. Um, did either of you want to comment anything about the uh, blessings and beauty of God's law, too? Well, it kind of follows along this, this same line. When I look in the mirror and I see that I'm a sinner and I, it feels like I'm constantly being beat down, I fail to live up to God's expectations for me. I am, I am just worthless and and this is just terrible. Uh, so the law then becomes in the minds of some people this big heavy burden that I, I have this burden that I, I physically can't carry. And the three of us, I'm sure, would say, let's, let's switch that line of thinking from thinking of the law as a burden, as a blessing in the sense that I'm not looking at these laws as a way to show how sinful I am. But it's my effort now to try to live a God-pleasing life, follow my Lord as best I can. Here's my way to honor him. And I honor him by trying my very best to carry out these laws. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. So that is our uh, podcast about the law. 
However, whenever we talk about the law, we never want to just leave it with the law. So here's just a little dose of gospel for you. Always remember that Jesus fulfilled the law in your place. You stand perfect because of Jesus' perfect life that he has given to you. And we'll be talking about that more as we go through our next episodes, which will really dive into the specifics of the law as we study the Ten Commandments. Thanks to you, everybody. We will see you next time.